right, so we are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. I am your host, DJ Motri of the Black Equity Network. And on today's uh, episode, I'm going to dive into uh, the lack of funding for Black businesses. There's been a lot of conversations uh, around this topic, and I think it's best that we take this time out to dive into understanding what the heck is going on. I think a lot of people aren't, you know, they're, they're reporting what's happening, but we're not getting to the, the, to the why of it all. So, of course, uh, we are joined by our listeners over on IG Live. They are in the room now, and they are commenting and letting us know their thoughts. While everybody puts their questions in the IG Live, uh, I do want to take care of a few housekeeping matters. If you are a dedicated Black Equity listener and you want a more in-depth experience with more content and uh, especially video content, you're going to want to sign up for Black Equity Premium. You can find that link over on our Instagram. You can just simply click on Black Equity Premium and you'll go straight to uh, our channel over on Patreon, or you can go to Patreon and just type in Black Equity Network and it should take you directly to our page. So if that is something of an interest to you, please go ahead and do that. Uh, also, we have our digital network. Uh, if you go to our link on uh, Instagram, you can uh, send us a text message and be put into our system with alerts, opportunities, investment opportunities, uh, and such uh, items like that. So if you're interested in that Black Equity Premium or Black Equity Network, you want to take advantage of those few things. So we got the housekeeping out of the way. Uh, also, people have been asking about uh, being part of a mastermind group. So we are going to be opening up a mastermind group for those who are interested in investing in uh, real estate, uh, cash flowing uh, assets that are backed by real estate. If you are interested in that mastermind group, you're going to want to send me a message. You can email me at djm at djmotri.com. And I'll be happy to talk to you about that. I'm probably only going to be working with two or three individuals. Uh, so if you want to know more uh, details about that, let me know. I'm really big on having uh, a small uh, group of people to do things rather than trying to have, you know, 10,000 people uh, moving all at the same time. I find that if you can find four or five strong people, uh, you can be unstoppable. So those are some of the housekeeping notes uh, that we have. So let's go into our IG comments and let's see what's happening. Um, you know, we put this topic out there for everybody to see. We have one Mike says, no matter how hard it is, we're going to take care of our people. Nothing ever goes away until it teaches us what we need to know. That's true. That's very true. Welcome everybody that is in the room right now. We definitely appreciate you. Uh, stopping by and having a uh, conversation. Uh, someone is asking, what is a mastermind group? That's a great topic to uh, put on our, our podcast. So let's break that down. And then we're going to get into our topic of the day. So what is a mastermind group? If you ever read a book called Think and Grow Rich, um, I believe it was by Napoleon Hill. One of the things that he talks about is like 10 steps of gaining ultimate wealth and prosperity. Uh, and one of the steps is having a mastermind group. 
Now, you, there's a lot of different ways that you can go about this, but ultimately you wanna have a group of people who are all going towards the same type of goal and who are going to keep each other accountable towards what they are trying to accomplish. So a mastermind group, for example, let's say a group of people wanted to buy a sports team, okay? So they all sit down and they say, they put their resources together, they share their information. One person's really good at raising capital, another person's really great at relationships, and another person's really great at record keeping. They, they come into their mastermind group and they have conversation centers around this. What are they strategically going to do? What are, what is their plans? That it's a tight-knit uh, exchange of information. Because once two or more souls decide uh, something to be and they agree on it, um, it starts happening. The universe starts shifting in their favor. So that's why you wanna make sure that when you're going and building a mastermind group, that you're surrounding your, yourself with people who are like-minded and uh, on that same frequency with, as you. So it's very important um, Believe it or not, you, everybody has a mastermind group. Everybody has a mastermind group. Everybody right now is in the middle of a mastermind group. Your friends and the people that you're talking to, the five people that you talk to the most, that's your mastermind group. The five people that you have around you, it may be your mama, your cousin, your sister, and your niece. And then those are your five people, and that's your mastermind group. And so whatever you're always talking about, that's what it will be. You know, if you always talk about Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Steve Harvey show, whatever it is that you always talk about, that becomes your reality. So all of us are in mastermind groups, all of us. So that's not, it's nothing special. Every single one of you is in a mastermind group. The question is, are you in the right one? Are you around the right people? Are you building towards something for the future or are you building towards something from the past? So not only do you wanna be in a mastermind group because everybody's in a mastermind group, whether they like it or not, this is where you wanna be highly selective of your mastermind group. You wanna be highly selective of the people you have in your circle. That's why I said, I don't need 10,000 people in a mastermind group. So when I'm opening up a mastermind group for black equity, what I'm picturing is, you know, about four people max and us putting our resources together to go do certain type of investments together. That's what I'm picturing is, hey, let's put our resources together and let's build uh, something that people can invest in and it could be cash flowing and it could solve root problems. So what I'll do is any type of project I have, I want to bring in three or four people and work on that project with them because it's going to start having more and more momentum than if I go and try to do it myself. I can go do a lot of stuff myself, but it won't have the same momentum as, you know, having two or three other people who are bought into the idea. That's why it's important to understand and be very selective of who you allow into your mastermind group, who you allow into your friendship group, and who you allow into your circles. Be highly selective. So what, what would you wanna look for in somebody to be part of the mastermind group? I would say you want someone who's willing to put some type of investment in, that they value this thing. They need to be putting some type of investment into the mastermind group. They can't just show up. There has to be more to it than that. 
they need to be bringing some type of value to the mastermind group. Or you're doing all the work and it's really not a mastermind group, it's a group. <laughs> the mastermind group is a group of people who they're, they're really good in their own particular areas. But if those three people came together to do a particular industry, it could make each one of the people within that group that much better. So it's important, no matter if you want to work with me or work with whoever, maybe you want to start your own mastermind group. It's important to be very uh, precise about what the goals are of this mastermind group. Uh, be consistent with how often you're meeting. Uh, make sure you, you're showing up to these meetings. Make sure that you uh, truly value each other's time. These are going to be important in a mastermind group. You can't promise to meet, you know, every Sunday at 1 p.m. and then consistently you're not showing up to that mastermind group because those meetings are going to be very golden because you're going to be able to share with each other what you learn throughout the week. So great question. Great question. Um, you know, a lot of times we don't actually talk about what things are. And so that was a really great question for us to dive into. Now, I want to get into uh, another topic that has come across our desk this week, and it is the lack of funding for Black businesses. Uh, I saw a report from Essence this week. We shared it on our Instagram, and it was talking about the $480 billion relief fund and how many Black businesses were missing out, and a lot of the businesses that ended up getting it they aren't what you would typically see as small businesses, but they do fit the description of a small business. Okay, so people are feeling some type of way, like, wait, how does that company, you know, a small business, they got 500 locations or whatever, and how, how is that a, a small business? And what most people don't understand is small businesses, like anything less than like 2,000 employees, or something like that. Maybe it's a less than a thousand employees. It could, you have, can have a small business and it could be actually a really big operation as long as it doesn't pass that threshold. Uh, someone is saying $500,000 a year is a small business for them. So, you know, I've seen small businesses, I've seen small businesses making billions of dollars and because it, if, you, if you're dealing with a company that has 10 employees, but it's like a wealth management company, it's a small business, but then, you know, it has, you know, a huge amount of resources flowing. So I, I don't know, the definition is interchangeable. And I'm sure there's some type of cash, uh, cash equivalency, but a lot of times we're looking at the size of the operation. And when you do that, you can have a really great, uh, you know, a really great return on investment with five people at the helm. Uh, so Melanin Renee says, this is the requirement for Ruchale Dennis fund application. Okay. So, and I'm going to get into that as well. You know, outside of people, you know, applying for the federal government relief funds, there are other funds out here. You know, we sent out in our Black Equity Network digital platform we sent out a text message to those who were interested uh, in the face Facebook had a fund, uh, JP Morgan had a fund. There are, there's a lot of different people doing funds. I see Beyonce's um, uh, dedicating or uh, putting money into 
uh, different charities. So I'm not sure that's a fund, but there's a lot of money flowing around. Don't don't get don't get uh, confused. But what a lot of people are looking at is the government funding. They're looking at the government funding and they're wondering, hold on a second, why is a lot of the government funding going towards somewhere else? Why is a lot of the government funding, you know, uh, missing the black uh, black owned businesses? And so the real question is, why is there a lack of funding for black businesses? All right, let's be let's be very transparent here. And I know there have been uh, conferences. I know Essence did a conference. We promoted it on our page, uh, and people have been talking about this topic. Uh, and I've been paying attention. I, I I don't I don't try to take the mic unless I have some type of uh, research behind the topic and, and trying to understand uh, a deeper part of this. Let's just be frank. Why are black businesses not receiving funding? Black businesses are not receiving fun funding because they're black. I know, I know that, <laughs> I know that may be too simple. Simple. This is America, and I'm just confused at what you're confused about. I am confused at what the culture is confused about. This government doesn't love you. This government isn't setting aside money for you. Um, why are you confused? I'm confused at your confusion. They wasn't going to, they're not. If you notice, a lot of the things that we sent out at Black Equity, uh, the digital platform, when we text, text, uh, text out all of the different opportunities, very few of it was government focused. We were talking about private institutions handing out the money. You're gonna get a better shot there than at, at the government level, unless you, you, you play the game in a different way. But if we're just talking about applying for loans and, and receiving them, I'm, I'm shocked that everybody's shocked. Why do we keep pretending that this country is our friend? Why do we pretend that the government is set up for us to succeed? When I see these articles flying through saying, you know, black owned businesses are missing the relief fund and they're not getting the money and what should we do? And this isn't right. I, I never, I never anticipated that money to go in us anyway. I hope you didn't. Did 2008, 2009, 2010 not show you what the game was? So you need to be reminded again? Well, here's your reminder. 2020, coronavirus, relief funds. Very few is going to, the, to our culture and our community. Very few. Very few dollars are going this way. Now, you could say, well, that's not right, and you know, I'm tired of this and look what they've done now to us. And, you know, I don't know. You can throw in all the arguments you can, but when has it ever been different? When, when has this government <laughs> actually done 
something long-term that positively impacts the black community. When have they ever done this? So why would you expect it now? I'm at a loss for words here. So here we go. Melanie Renee says, no one is expecting support from the government. Butter point, better point was that Rich Dennis, owner of Shea Moisture and of Essence, is providing funding for businesses that are already doing numbers. So really small micro-businesses are also not getting relief from Black private institutions. That is true. A lot of people aren't. So there's a flip side. So I'm going to get to that in one moment. You said that no one is expecting support from the government. I disagree with that, Melanin Renee. You may not be expecting support from the government, and I applaud you for not expecting it. But when you say no one, I know that's a lie. As soon as you put the word no one, that means zero. You mean to tell me there's zero people in the entire country that are expecting anything from the government? Uh-uh. I know that's not true. There's a huge chunk of people who are expecting support from the government. Huge chunk. Let's just keep it funky and let's keep it real. Why are they expecting it? Now, there, there's where we may agree, Ms. Mellon and Renee. We may agree there. Why are they expecting it? I don't know. So I want to tackle that first before I get into uh, providing funding from the private institutions, especially those that are Black-owned. I'm going to get to that in a second. That's important. But let's, let's stay on the government for a second. A huge chunk of people are expecting the government to bail them out. The same people that were expecting it 10 years ago, the same people that were expecting it in the 80s, and the same people who were asking for equality in the 60s, it's the same people, it's the same people, it's the same people, the same mindsets. They've been asking and they've been hoping that the government will fulfill what they said that they were going to do. So to say that no one is doing that, I'm not sure what country y'all are living in. Every every everything I see out there is the government better do what they say they're going to do. And then they get upset when the government doesn't do what they say they're going to do. I am shocked at you being shocked at this. There's not much explanation to it. I wasn't expecting uh, the, the funding to go to small Black-owned businesses. Were you really expecting that? When, why would you even expect that? I, that's why the information we sent out was from private institutions. Some Black-owned, some were white-owned, but they were you know, looking to, at providing funding to small businesses. Now, let's get to our second point here. Melanie Renee brings up a really great point. She talks about Rich, Rich Dennis, owner of Shea Moisture and Essence, and providing funding for businesses that are already doing numbers. So really, small micro-businesses are also not getting relief from Black private institutions. Okay, so how do we feel about that? If you're not doing the numbers, should you get relief and funding? The argument would be, what am, I, what am I relieving if there's nothing to relieve? If your company wasn't performing, what are we relieving you from? Should, if you have a fund, of $5 million, are you going to put it in good soil or okay soil? Are we gonna put our, just think as an investor, 
if I'm going to relieve something, am I going to relieve something that was already prospering or relieve something that wasn't prospering? Which one am I going to relieve? Uh, Nana Sweetie says, a lot of people still haven't received their stimulus money. Okay, that's a different conversation. I'm not going to uh, get into the stimulus money part. Uh, we really want to focus on the, the businesses. Um, no one really black, no one really black folks that value black economics aren't depending on the government. Okay. Uh, no one really black folks that value black economics aren't depending on the government. Okay. And how many, what is the percentage of black folk that aren't, that are, that value black economics and aren't depending on the government? What percentage of black people do you think that is? Uh, writing by Winford says, asking for reparations. If you do for self, you don't have to depend on the government, says Melanie and Renee. If you do for self, you don't have to depend on the government. I agree. And Melanie and Renee also says, okay, you, you're right. So for me in particular, I'd be thinking about funding in general for black businesses. I guess you're saying I was right about the, the no one part, I guess. What, I, what I'm saying, uh, Renee, and I hope I'm saying your name correctly, I, I focus on what you're focused on too. I'll be, I'll be quite honest with you, Melanie. I focus on you know, you know, black businesses and seeing our growth and what can we do to be our very best and all that is wonderful. But I, to say that I was expecting the government to bail out black owned businesses, I just, to me, it never crossed my mind that that money was going to black owned businesses. Uh, that may be a sad commentary but here on Black Equity, we have to document the truth. And he said, no, you're saying my name all wrong. Well, you know, you can hop on the live and let us know how to say your name. It say melanin, it looked like Renee. If y'all can tell me how to pronounce it or spell it out for me, I will be more than happy to uh, say your name correctly. But I just never was expecting the government to take care of it. And I, I'm going to keep saying that over and over again, because I really want that to kind of get out of our heads, just a tad. I am not expecting the government to save us. Reina. Oh, is it Reina? Okay. I am not expecting the government. You don't know how to hop on here. I can hop you on. I am not expecting the government to, to save us. Never have, <laughs> and I never will. And that's why I'm, I'm really big on private funding. That's why I'm really big on private equity. That's why I'm big on you know, putting the money together for ourselves and us deciding you know, what's best for us. All right, do we have Raina on the line? Raina, yes. Say it again. Okay, is it, well, I'm, I'm sensing an accent here. Where's this accent coming from? It's not an accent. It's just that the word Vienna is a, a Latin word. So you have to roll the R when you say it. <laughs> so wait, you're telling me what I have to do with my tongue? <laughs> I mean, if you want to, 
to pronounce it correctly, but I just want to, um, uh-huh. I just want to help you understand what I was getting at. I see that um, here you have pinned, it says lack of funding for black businesses. And so I agree with what you're saying um, in regards to, um, you know, like not, um, not having the funding available for black businesses. And for me, what I was saying was that I personally don't depend on it because when has the government ever, you know, showed up and, and given us anything, you know? Um, so that's what I'm saying. Like for me, I think about black economics and black people working together, spending our money together and supporting each other, especially in this type of time of need. And um, you're right, because you were saying that um, right now, like this is to relieve businesses. So I was like, okay, so when I'm thinking about it, I was thinking just about me and my own business in particular about businesses that can not only help us, but create jobs that aren't being funded. So you're right in the sense to where, you know, very small and micro businesses may not need to be relieved, but there are some that need to be funded and invested that can help everybody, you know, but I mean, it's kind of hard to single single them out at this point in time. But in the midst of coronavirus, we would want to think we would want to, you know, boost up companies that are doing, you know, making things that are holistic and to kind of boost our immunity and our health and things like that. I think you and I would want that. I'm not sure if the mass numbers of people are going to want that because there's there's more money in doing it the wrong way and being unhealthy than there is being healthy. Um, just sad, it's a sad commentary, but that appears to be the reality that we're living in. Um, let me ask you this. If, if the money doesn't come from the government and it doesn't come from black institutions, where do you think the money will come to save these uh, smaller micro black owned businesses? I mean, if it's not coming from any of them, then well, I'll just have to depend on what I have been doing, which is just, you know, making sure I increase my sales and depend on the support of the community that are actually, that understand the value of what I'm doing, that don't mind putting their money here, that know that when they do spend money here, the money's going to be reinvested into the company. So, I mean, I don't know how else to, I don't know where else to get it from, to be honest. Can you tell us a little bit about your company? What, what, do, you, what do you have going on so we can all know you know who you are maybe we can know about your website maybe we can support you oh definitely definitely so my name is ashley gwen and i am the founder owner operator of natural nana which is a holistic health and beauty company but we focus on african botanicals so products that are coming and originating from africa so not only are these products really ancient and have been proven and tested by our ancestors, you know, for its efficacy and utility, but also, you know, I'm buying my products from Africa. So, you know, I'm also supporting the motherland with these products. So my main products that I have are black seed oil. I have black seed tea. Um, I'll be coming out with my black soap uh, in the uh, shea butter. And I also sell raw shea butter, but right now, with this coronavirus thing, I'm really pushing my black seed tea because I added hibiscus and then the tea also has lemon and honey. 
So um, when you're using it, it's going to help you to boost your immune system up because the black seeds already have properties for, um, you know, immunity and things like that. But additional benefits are being added with the tea, um, the hibiscus and the lemon. So I, I just really want my people to do well. And, you know, I don't really know any other way to do it than to get out here and to be on the front lines making this stuff ourselves because, you know, they're pushing these facts things on us, you know, and that's obviously, no, I don't think anybody wants to do that. I've, I've seen a lot of people that are not trying to use these vaccines, so I'm just doing what I can here. Um, my website is naturalnanaco.com, and yeah, I'm all out of the black sea oil. Some people are starting to get hit to the black sea oil. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I've been I've been on that black seed oil for a couple of years now, so I definitely know what you're you're saying there. And if you ever, you know, what I'll offer since you have been providing really great uh, comments here is a, fi a free 15 minute session, a consulting session. If you want to understand about how strategic partnerships could uh, potentially get you the type of funding that you need or positioning that you need, uh, we can do a 15 minute free consultation. Uh, just send me a message and we can uh, hook that up. Definitely. All right. So let's uh, see if anybody else wants to hop on. Thank you so much for uh, providing the comments today. Thank you so much for taking the time and even letting me. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. Anytime. Okay. All right, y'all. So that's, that's a really great uh, conversation. Uh, hopefully, uh, Ashley and I have an opportunity to talk. Does anybody else want to hop on? and give their perspective of what is happening right now with the lack of funding for black businesses, especially with these relief funds, these private funds that are um, you know, popping up, but yet we're still seeing you know, all these articles are telling us, hey, we as a black community are not receiving the same type of relief or the same type of funding as these other, uh, other companies are receiving. Does anybody else wanna to add to the conversation? I see, uh, entertain the thought uh, with Reese on a production level that is true but not on a level of consumption uh, I love to hear what you meant by that uh, entertain the thought says I agree the government was systematically set up to degenerate the black community not save it okay I'm, I'm interested in uh, hearing more uh, maybe we can bring on entertain the, uh, the thought I don't know if she has the time to hop on uh, but I would love to uh, understand more. All right, is that is that Miss Reese? Yes. Hey Reese, how you doing? Um, I was well. I'm just enjoying this beautiful Sunday afternoon. Definitely, definitely. For those who don't know, Reese and I had an opportunity to uh, have a dope conversation over on Black Equity Premium. So definitely check out that conversation. And now now we're diving into the lack of funding uh, for black businesses. So what are your thoughts on what you're hearing so far? <laughs> I wasn't even going to try, but go ahead. 
spend our money with each other and we need to make sure that we're supporting each other's businesses. Um, but I also think that that it's, it's like when we, if we are able to get to a place where we can do just that, then we will come to a place where we can replace the government's functioning in our community. So what that means is that we'll have to, um, We'll have to spend money with each other, but not only will we have to spend money so m- money with each other, we'll have to also meet each other's needs for um, supply and demand. So what I see is our, our biggest problem when it comes to funding black businesses, I see it as a problem of diversity in black business itself. We wouldn't need funding coming from any other place if we had enough diversity to where we can only shop with, with each other for the totality of our needs and wants. Hold on now, uh, hold on now. You're stumbling across something. You know, hold on, hold on, hold on. When you say diversity, because I, 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 I see where you're heading here, I want to I wanna jump in the car with you real quick. Because I don't want to miss this trip. So you're talking about diversity within the Black ecosystem. Let me push back to make sure I'm, I'm gaining an understanding here. Are you telling me that having a, a, a strip club, uh, an entertainment spot, and everybody doing the exact same thing, a liquor store, by just only having those things, I'm hurting the ecosystem because I'm not providing other things that people are in desperate need of? That's absolutely right. You are in the same car with me, and we're going fast in the same Okay. Place. <laughs> everybody's selling t-shirts, everybody's selling hair, everybody's selling no stain. Uh, natural products, everybody's selling eyelashes, everybody's doing nails, everybody's got uh, some kind of food catering business, everybody's got some kind of uh, over-the-counter vending type of situation where it's largely based on materialistic consumerism. But we're not venturing into the spaces where in business we're coming to each other's, uh, meet each other's needs when it comes to things like our health care, things like our um, uh, education system, things like, um, you know, our economic troubles, the, the political system. We don't have businesses that are specifically set up to give us traction in those areas where we can start saying we're going to collectively start pouring our resources into this one community solution. And because we're not doing that in business terms or like in, in commerce, then that's the reason why we're not seeing um, an elevation of our business economic system that we're trying to, um, you know, set up the foundation for. So basically, in simple terms, the foundation is weak because it's not diversified. It won't, we probably won't grow without diversifying it first. Here's why I think we don't have a diverse ecosystem. This is just my best guess. I believe we do not have a a diverse uh, ecosystem within the black community uh, because we want to only do what looks to be entertaining and fun. That's it. We all know that there's um, not only money in that diversity, because I think about it. If there are nothing but, uh, I'm going to use our food, for example. Sure. Let's say on on the market, I'm I'm a black woman. I don't want to eat any meat or any dairy anymore. I'm looking for, I'm going to use something simple. I like to eat bean burgers. I go in the supermarket. I don't see nothing but bean burgers that use ingredients that I don't like for myself. So I'm going to go into that grocery store, and I'm going to pick up the best thing that I can kind of justify eating, even though it's got ingredients and things like that that I don't really agree with. 
But instead of me going into business so that I can start making this product, not only to meet my own need, but to meet the entire needs of the rest of my community. Um, I've never, like, I have to believe in myself first. Mm -hmm. I have to believe that I can produce something that's going to meet a bigger need. Okay, because I know that my people don't want to consume this, that, or the other. So why would I not be thinking to myself, how can I create a brand that's going to meet this overarching need of my entire community so that not only am I being success, but I'm also contributing to the lives of people around me in the same way that I'm attempting to contribute to my own life. Yeah. I don't want to be healthy. And I know that black people are doing that, but let's take it to another um, stratosphere where we're talking about our, um, uh, our environment. There is only one brother that I've ever come across ever in my whole entire, you know, um, networking career where this brother had uh, an environmental science business where he was contracting with the government because he created a business where he was going and taking soil, soil samples. He's doing um, samples of water, samples of the air quality. He's got equipment going out there looking at uh, land quality and doing things like that. He's investing in something that even if he can't use environmental specialists or specialists specialized information to directly affect the black community, he can go into business doing that so he can get enough revenue to where he can then start to reinvest into things that are directly affecting, that are directly affecting the black community. But these are the things that we have to know is that, you know, there's a limited amount of people out here and, you know, these things that we're getting into. It's a limited amount of people looking for that. But we're all looking for a healthy environment. We're all looking for healthy food. We're all looking for a better education for our kids. We're all looking for, um, you know, uh, a better way to provide. So I feel like this, these are the things we have to be looking for. Not just can I enter the market to make a quick dollar on a hustle, but can I enter the market to meet the people's needs, my people's needs. You know, something you, you said, and thank you for sharing uh, this valuable information. Something you said I wrote down. Um, well, I wrote down what you said, and then it, it brought in a, a thought. Uh, stop asking the money, uh, stop asking the government for money, instead partner with them. That's right. That's it. I think this idea of reparations, and, you know, hey, you know, if it happens, it happens, right? But this idea of we deserve this relief fund, we deserve this, we want this, a better way, in my opinion, is to create something of so much value that the government has to partner with you. And they got to grant you a $200 million um, uh, joint venture agreement or contract agreement or some type of agreement to where uh, it's, it's, it's disrespectful for them not to work. They need you instead of you need them. If you can position yourself where people need you, then you really put yourself at a very valuable position. And I think more people need to go down that path than to just stand there and say, please give us money. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, 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 listen, everything I'm doing in my life right now is getting to a place where we can, I, I can help my people do that better. Because <clears throat> with us going to the government with our hands out, like I was thinking today, just on my drive, um, we would be in a better, much better position if, like this person who commented, said we had a reconditioning in our mindset. So, for example, if you're on the market, it means you have something of value that you can sell to other people. They feel like they need it 
for their life or for their mission of whatever they're trying to do to become what they want it to be. So when you wake up every day, you clock in at work, and somebody tells you that your eight hours is worth this much money. So at that point, you become that person's employee. You become underneath them, so to speak, where you are more like their property more so than you are their partner. But in reality, because I want to say this, as a, as a as an employee, you're being treated like property instead of you being treated like what you actually are. Because in reality, you are a partner in that business. You're not receiving the respect as a partner because the people that you're partnering with don't respect you. Right. They're calling you a piece of property, which is an employee. I'm going to tell you how much you make. But see, when we get to a place where we realize, uh-uh, I'm selling you my time. I'm selling you my time. Mm-hmm. You don't get to tell me how much my time is worth. Right. I get to tell you how much my time is worth because we're partners. And when you draw, and see, this is the, the shift that we have to have in our mentality. It's not, it's not that uh, we're employees, we're partners. We're not wage earners. We're in a mutual uh, agreement. Okay? And so when we have that shift in our thinking, then we can start seeing why are these people paying us for our time? What's so valuable about our time that they're willing to pay us for it? Um, Once we start getting deeper into that mind frame, that mentality, these people are paying me for my time because my brain comes along with my time. My ability comes along with my time. My power comes along with my time. So they're not just paying for my time. They're paying for me as an entity, as a person, as a brain, somebody who can function, somebody who can think and process and help their their best interests. But they're not paying you for all that. They just pay you for your time. So when we get to a place where we learn how to value ourselves, we cut that relationship as an employee. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not your employee no more. When I when I recognize my value, I'm not your partner. Because when you want to buy my time from me, I recognize I'm in a position of power. You want to buy my time from me because I have some value as a human being. You want to buy my time from me because you know I'm smart. That's the reason why you got to go through an interview process. They want to see what can you really do in the time that they're paying you for. And this is where we have to start learning our worth. That's where the goal is. Okay. Amen. You're not getting paid in all this money buses. And when you start telling them, listen, you can't run your business without me. So either you give me what I'm telling you that I'm worth or what I'm demonstrating to you that I'm worth, or else we don't have a relationship. That's with any relationship. Don't care if it's your husband, your boss, your child, your co-worker, your associate, your girlfriend, your homeboy. If you are not in a situation where your your worth is being appreciated for what you have determined it to be, then you're at a place where you know you're damaging yourself. So we are, are I believe, going through a shift where we're having to change our minds about, as black people, why are these folks so interested in us? And if they're interested in us for these high-level reasons, they want us to run the world for them. Why can we not shift our focus to running the world for ourselves? I don't need to be in your company to do your thing for you. I can be in my company that I created for my people doing the same things that I was doing for you. Okay? The people out there doing telecommunications, uh, 
talking about, I'm talking about running these major corporations. You're the vice president, the senior vice president. You are running the company. You're the one that made all the decisions. You're the black person. Why are you on payroll and not the one signing the checks? We got to value ourselves. We're at the very... You good? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> but let me let me. No, I, I know you do. I I, I let you do your thing. But I want to I want to touch on what you said because it, I think it was displayed about two months ago when you were talking about uh, they're paying they're, they want your time. If you pay attention to uh, how Wall Street uh, fell about a month or two ago. It didn't fall because there was any type of natural resources that disappeared. There was no nuclear blast. There was not like nothing technically happened. The only thing that caused the only thing that caused Wall Street to fall was the fact that people weren't out there, you know, giving their time to the companies. And then magically, because the people weren't giving their time to the companies to make the machine move, then everything shifted. Everything stopped all of a sudden. And what that showed me, because it's almost that you have to really pay attention to it. It showed me that this whole system is based off of, if you're an employee and an essential worker, because magically the most essential people are being paid the least. It just so happens to be. The essential workers, the employees, they make this whole ish go around. Now, we've always known it. But it didn't quite hit me as hard until I saw the entire stock market crash, only simply because people didn't go to work. That's how valuable those people are. So now those people didn't have to ask themselves, well, if I'm that valuable, first they have to see themselves as that valuable. But if I'm that valuable, why can't I just do this myself? My, my employer needs to be my first client at the very, if I, if I even want them to be a client. myself to where I'm coming to you and telling you, listen, if I'm making your business thrive in this way or the other, especially those in specialized positions, if you have specialized knowledge, you need to come out of that employee position as fast as you possibly can. Meaning, when I say specialized knowledge, meaning that nobody else can do what you do for your company but you, you need to come out of that employee position and start drawing up your contract. You put your terms into a contract and let them know, I'm not doing another day of work until you meet the terms of this contract because I know I'm the only person around here who can do this to the degree that I'm doing it for you. Now, if you want to um, temp, or because I've had companies where they were letting their more tenured employees that had more skills and expertise go out the door because they were willing to take less expertise for less money. So you have to make that decision. If you want to let them play you because they don't mind replacing you, then hey, what kind of chances are you willing to take for your personal worth and for you to get what you came in the door for or for you for you to get what you're actually worth? So, you know, these are the types of the, the dynamics that we have to think about. And then on top of that, if you're not going to name your terms as instead of you being an employee, are you willing to start your own business? Because essentially, you start getting into trading. That's all it is. You are now an entrepreneur, and every time you make money, it's because you made an agreement. 
It's because you agreed on mutual terms with somebody that your value is equally as respected as mine. I'm going to give you uh, everything that you want me to deliver, but you're going to pay me the going rate for that. You're not going to get over on me. For example, if I'm one of your salespeople and I'm bringing in millions of dollars for you, but I'm only getting back uh, a couple of thousand off of the millions that I'm bringing in for you, that's not a mutually beneficial relationship. You, you run it all over me at that point. Yep. So I'm going to come back and tell you, I, I see you making millions. I'm not getting enough out of that because I'm doing all the legwork. I'm making all the phone calls. I'm tracking these folks down. I'm doing your invoices. I'm doing your billing. I'm doing your collections. You ain't going to number sit back and get paid. So why are you getting the majority of the uh, partnership percentage? Uh-uh. A lot of people are, are a lot of people are in abusive relationships. And it starts with their yeah, employer. Exactly. You, 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 run, you run to these people, you wake up at a certain time, you get to doing what they want you to do, and it's yes sir, no sir to these people, but then as soon as you go home to your, your loved ones, magically you talk to them any, any type of way. But you are being abused by the system, and you're okay with it because it's just enough sometimes to get by. If, if, they, if they give you just enough to uh, make everything uh, you know, make a ends meet at the end of the month, then okay, I, you know, it's okay because I've survived another month. When you could take that same specialized knowledge that you're talking about, start your own, you could start a high-end consulting company and consult their competitors. Let's say you work for a multi-billion dollar company. They don't want to work with you. Okay, let's say you were working for a bank and you were working with Bank of America. They said, no, nah, we're good. We'll go find somebody else. Well, I want you to go to every single bank within your, uh, within your area, and I want you to talk to the top person there at the highest position you can think of and let them know that you're offering consulting for, for banks to do X, Y, Z, whatever, whatever company you're working for. All their competitors are right there, and you can go do contract work with them. You don't have to stay with these people. And to, yeah. to show you that, you that it's not a guarantee, look at what they're doing. They're letting they're letting people go left and right to, you know, cut the margins down so, so they can get past this moment. You really, you're expendable to them. I want to say this, that it's very special about where we are as our people, because it sort of piggybacks off of what you're saying, is that when we're in a corporate position, we have a bird's eye view of what this company needs. We have a bird's eye view of what these corporations are doing wrong that's standing in their own way. For number one, we have been the ones working in these corporations, in these positions, keeping everything afloat in the midst of their greed, in the midst of their lack of of um, um, consideration for their consumer in the midst of them having these policies and procedures that are uh, uh, restrictive and, and oppressive to certain groups of people. We've been in the midst of all of that in the trenches, making sure that these co- big, large corporate conglomerates are still able to function. So when it comes to us taking ourselves out of the employee seat and entering into the contractor seat, I feel it gives us optimum um, opportunity. Because, like I said, we have an internal bird's eye view of what these people have been doing wrong for so long. We've been the ones frustrated, tearing our hair out because their systems are fucked up, excuse my friend. So, it's like, when we are in these places, we have to start recognizing that when you have a problem, you should recognize right there that that's gold, that's money, that's value, when there's a problem, especially if you're the one that knows how to fix the problem. Yes. So, when you're in your employee, employee seat, 
you scoping out everything you possibly when I was in corporate America, I used my positions, even though they were customer service, consultant positions, um, you know, doing payroll specialist specialist position stuff. I was learning more than just my position. I'm learning about how are you running this company. I'm learning about what systems are working for you, what systems are not, what is it that you could be doing to make your, your situation better and mine as well, what win-win situations have you missed that I can bring to your attention, what value can I bring to your company, because I'm sitting in the seat, I know exactly what you're doing and what you could be doing, yeah. so when we're in these positions, in these companies, I would love to see more of our people recognizing that they are in a position of power, especially if you are in a position to learn. If you're learning these people's daily operations, then you have more than enough for it to bring out your own and figure out your own way in that same space. And do it your own way. Do it in a way where you feel like you're being more valuable to that company than they're being to themselves. It's not hard to do. Trust me. Because enough of them are there jacked up looking for solutions. I believe, and when people check out our conversation over at Black Equity Premium, uh, we dive deeper into uh, what I'm about to say. I think all of this gets started once people understand their own value. Once people know how valuable they are, and I think that's what we had a chance to talk about, and I know we're going to have many more conversations. Uh, but I think on our first conversation on Black Equity Premium, it was about letting people know how valuable they are. And once you have that, then you can start looking around that room and realizing, wait, hold on a second. I'm on the wrong. I'm on the wrong side of the table because I'm doing all the brain work and the billionaire is on the golf course or the billionaire is somewhere else. He's he or she is a billionaire because you're doing all the work. I'm doing all the work, and you're just sitting back telling me because I own this, you have to do this for me. Oh, no, baby. I don't have to do nothing. You own this, and so now you are responsible for making it a success. How you pass on that responsibility? Have you ever seen a company that want their employees to do more for their success than, than they're willing to do for the employee to be successful? Mm-hmm. I had that happen where I was in a, co- a company where if there was failure in the in the process, they always wanted the failure to be on uh, the fault of the employee. But when right. the employee comes, stands up and says, well, you know, your side of this ain't really that great either. You haven't set up training properly. I don't have the proper tools to be successful. I don't have the proper contacts to be successful. These people don't have the right information to be successful. But then they want to say, oh, but it's your fault because you didn't follow this, that, or the other, or you didn't perform well. Oh, no. Back it up, brother. You can't. You cannot hold me more responsible for your success in your company than you than you are holding yourself responsible. I, I told them I, that was my last resignation. That was mm-hmm. my second and last resignation from a corporate position where I felt like you got me effed up. You got me really messed up. If you think that every time something go wrong, you're gonna be giving me a red slip on my performance when none of the none of the way that you perform is in line either. Yeah. That, that don't work. And so again, it's another another opportunity that we have to start looking at. These people need us. They absolutely need us, or else they would not be going through so much to keep us entangled into their little system. The day that we learn we don't need their system because their system is failing anyway, what we need to be doing is making our own systems. Mm-hmm. Then we'll have the freedom and the power that we're looking for as a people. We yeah. don't need their system. And more, that, that mess is gone. and more than likely when we do that, 
they'll be looking for uh, funding from us. Absolutely. They're going to be trying to get in our system that we create. They're going to be looking, you know, the commoners, the Europeans mm -hmm. that don't care about the federal government, all they want is their little checks, their little welfare, because, you know, most of them is on welfare more than we are. They just want to make sure that they got their family take care of just like everybody else. So let us start creating systems that work socially. I can guarantee you Caucasians are going to be looking for a space in our system. Guaranteed. Because how do you think they got their system in the first place? They, they created this system because they were first a part of our ancient system. Yeah, we, 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 we talked about that on premium where we dive into the roots of, you know, where this all started. And, you know, ever since uh, we came into this space, into this earth, they've been trying to steal everything from us. They're, they're a copycat of everything that we've built. And so we're just going to have to rebuild a new system and, and watch them try to copy. But this time around, we'll be well prepared. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I know on our last, um, um, on Black Equity Premium, we were having that conversation about uh, just having this system built up. I have a platform that's in development mm -hmm. where we're going to be able to have these protections, but I want people to understand them because once we start building our business, that is literally us building our nation. And what I've heard from my people is that we get afraid when we're talking about nation building, but we don't get afraid when we're talking about chasing the bag. But I need for us to understand that if we're going to disassociate from the federal government and create our own systems um, for political uh, government or governance in our own communities, economic power in our own communities, there's nothing to be afraid of that. Because when we're doing it in business, it, it's, it's not something that's challengeable. You cannot put um, on people's ability to network and talk and commune with each other. And that's all we'll be doing. So when I hear people talk about, oh, we can't build, we can't rebuild Black Wall Street because they're going to bomb us or they're going to try to attack us. They're going to have some kind of war against us if we do that. That, to me, is a mute point. Because, first of all, when we're pursuing our businesses, okay, we, all we're doing is learning how to do business in a way that benefits our social community. We're not doing business in a way that we're trying to fight somebody. We're not fighting. All we're doing is just simply backing off. And we're saying, I'm not patronizing your businesses anymore. I'm focused on mine. Nobody can kill you. Who would they kill? Who would be the target? And on top of that, we have online-based businesses now anyway. So once again, there's no place to attack. We're all doing business in the cloud. We have the protection of technology, you know, on our side. So... This is a really great conversation. If you want more, we have 10 seconds remaining. If you want more, head over to Black Equity Premium. Check out our full conversation uh, with Reese Roberts. Thank you so much for coming on today on this episode. All right. Wow. So our IG just went off. And uh, that's a great conversation that we just uh, had with Reese. I'm so glad she hopped on. Uh, for us to have this conversation. Our IG has ended, but we're going to go ahead and end the podcast the right way. If you are looking to get deeper into this conversation, uh, you're going to want to be on Black Equity Premium. You're going to want to have a higher level conversation. You're going to want to tune in to the different things that we have planned for you. There's things that are coming into the works that I want you to be in the middle of, but we have to get into alignment first. Uh, so once again, sign up for Black Equity Premium. You can find us over 
on uh, Instagram at Black Equity Network. You can click the link and uh, type in or click on Black Equity Premium and you can join us immediately uh, from right there. You can also go on Patreon and type in Black Equity Network. You can also be part of our digital uh, network where you'll receive text messages, text alerts on opportunities for investment uh, within the Black community uh, or opportunities within the Black community overall. So if you are uh, really digging everything that we're doing, make sure you're subscribing, make sure you're liking, uh, make sure you're sharing this information with our people because what we have planned and what we are doing is going to be next level and we want you to be a part of it. And if you want to be part of our mastermind group, uh, make sure you send me a message over at uh, DJM at DJMotru.com. Also, we put out a post. If you are a journalist, an author, a thought leader, and you want to be a part of what we are building over here, we want to hear from you. Please send your information over to uh, DJM at DJMotru.com as well. And I look forward to chopping it up with everyone and talking with everyone and uh, you know, really pouring as much as we can uh, into this. So once again, thank you so much for listening. And this has been a really great conversation talking about the lack of funding for black businesses and uh, setting up the right ecosystem. I'm, I'm so glad we have this opportunity to talk and I'll be talking to all of you soon. If you are a black owned business or an investor and you would like to advertise on our show, go ahead and send us a message at DJM at DJMoultrie.com. Now back to the show.